This is the Borders of Equality podcast, a podcast about immigration and political economy. In this episode, we feature a presentation by Katharina Natal, an assistant professor at Leiden University. Katharina studies immigration policies in authoritarian contexts. Intuitively, we could assume that democracies and autocracies have different ways to regulate immigration. For instance, democratic governments should support more open immigration policies. Autocrats, in contrast, should push for more closed immigration policies. This is maybe because some of the politicians we often perceive as authoritarians are also staunch opponents of immigration. Katharina shows that, in fact, democracies and autocracies actually have pretty similar immigration policies. It turns out that openness or closure, when it comes to immigration, doesn't vary so much by regime type, at least not systematically. This doesn't mean that the political process in both types of regime are similar. Katharina highlights what she calls the illiberal paradox, explaining the different constraints that both democratic and authoritarian regimes face when regulating immigration. In doing so, she links to other authors who show that democracies face a pressure for closure from citizens and argues that autocrats can be more flexible. Katharina can be found on Twitter at k underscore nata or at her webpage at Leiden University. Her talk was recorded as part of the Leiden Interdisciplinary Migration Seminars organized by Errol Glynn. Uh, Ariel already uh, said a little bit about it uh, before that I, I wrote my uh, PhD uh, at the University of Amsterdam over the past uh, few years. And in that PhD, I focused on the dynamics of immigration policymaking in Morocco and Tunisia. So I did a comparative uh, study um, looking at yeah, the drivers and dynamics um, of immigration politics in those two countries. And the idea for the paper that I'm going to present today uh, emerged out of the Moroccan fieldwork uh, that I did for the PhD, but it's a bit broader uh, in its ambition. And the core question that it deals with is uh, whether there is a systematic difference between immigration policies in democracies and autocracies, and if so, uh, how this difference manifests. And of course, this is a very big question uh, to which there is no straightforward answer. So what I hope to achieve with, with this paper is to sort of unbox some, some widespread assumptions about the link between immigration policy and uh, political regimes. And then in a second step to introduce uh, a concept that I hope could sort of structure this debate a little bit, and that's the illiberal paradox. Um, so for those of you who are maybe not so familiar with this specific debate within migration studies, um, I should highlight from the start, I mean, it's not a surprise uh, for any of you probably, but that the field is heavily biased by research on Western liberal democracies. Now, what, I'm, what do I mean by that? I really mean that almost all the theorizing that is done on immigration policymaking is based on research um, and made for research on liberal democracies in the West. And uh, of course, I'm talking about immigration policies, so everything related to the entry and stay, uh, as well as integration of migrants. I'm not talking about emigration or diaspora policies here, where the story is, of course, uh, a bit different, right? Um, but what is important to say is that a majority of this literature on immigration policymaking does claim that there is something distinctive about immigration policies in liberal democracies, that there is some sort of uh, regime effect 
so that the political regime in place would shape immigration policies and politics uh, in a specific way. But the fact is that sort of what I've just said, the research on counterfactuals, so uh, research that would examine immigration policymaking in uh, non-Western democracies or in autocracies, uh, is still largely missing. And when it exists, it's, it is very case study based and very empirical. It's great research, but, um, but it's not very theoretical um, often. So the question then still, still remains, right? How can you know whether there is really a regime effect if you're only systematically looking at one side of the coin? And um, of course, I'm not the only one who, who is, has been asking this question. So there has been some, some uh, group of, of researchers who have started to take on this question a bit more systematically. And there has been some really great research coming out uh, more recently, uh, looking at immigration policy dynamics in, in a various uh, various political systems. And so what I want to do in this paper is to sort of try and, and bring some of these uh, insights together in a more systematic way uh, and sort of investigate this, this assumed uh, regime effect, sort of trying to get a first answer to this question of how do political regimes impact immigration policy. Now, the starting point that I take in the paper um, is to look at existing data sets. Um, to get an idea of this link between political regimes and immigration policy. And I won't spend much time here, but I actually thought that the insights uh, were so striking and so clear that it would be worth to at least share uh, some snippets of it here. So what I did is first that I just simply merged the Polity4 database, which maybe most of you know, which is measuring uh, political regime types, with the UN World Population Policies database which is a database that um, provides insights into government's self-declared policies on immigration since the mid-1970s. And so based on these declared goals uh, of governments, immigration policy around the world is actually um, strikingly continuous. Like two-thirds of governments indicate that they would like to maintain the level of immigration, uh, one quarter aims at reducing immigration and only around 8% of governments uh, would like to increase immigration. But what's really interesting here, I found, was that when you disaggregate this uh, according to regime type, um, the pattern actually doesn't change. Um, so you see that the proportions are pretty stable um, and increasing immigration is a rare policy objective regardless of the regime in place. And policy continuity seems to dominate um, as well across different regime types. But of course, uh, declared migration policy preferences are maybe a bit of a vague uh, measurement. So in a second step, what I did is that I merged uh, the same Polity4 database with the DEMIC policy database. And this is a data set that looks at actually enacted migration policy changes um, and I have compiled that uh, data set when I was working at the International Migration Institute in a project of uh, Heinde Haas. And so this data set um, records over 6,500 migration policy changes across 45 countries uh, between 1900 uh, and 2014. And again, when you look at all the changes together, you see that roughly half of them enact a liberal change. Um, and roughly a third, a restrictive change, 
And then there are some uh, reforms that, that don't really change the level of restrictiveness, but do other things. Um, but again, here, what struck me was that when you disaggregate this by regime type, the, the picture doesn't change. Um, so, and I found this really striking because the, the sort of theoretical literature would really suggest that we, we would be finding um, some fundamental differences here across regime type. Now, this is, of course, a preliminary and maybe superficial insight, but it does seem to indicate that sort of um, the approaches towards immigration do not systematically vary depending on the regime in place. Of course, I'm not saying that there are no differences and that legal migration regimes don't vary, but at least the, the difference is not, um, is not, seems not related to the political uh, regime in place. Um, and so that was sort of the starting, starting point of the paper. And the question that I want to focus on now is, okay, if a political regime type doesn't really seem to matter for the substance of immigration policy, does that mean that immigration policies are sort of neutral um, to political regimes? And while my research and, and research of many other people uh, suggests that that's not the case. And so what I try to do in the rest of the paper is that I argue that political regimes do shape immigration policy, but only with respect to sort of the policymaking processes that are at play and uh, with respect to the range of policy options that are available to decision makers, but not in terms of the actual substance or outcome in the end. And so to sort of make this argument, what, what I'm doing is that I introduce this concept of the illiberal paradox. But um, before introducing that, I think it makes sense to spend uh, a few minutes on uh, the liberal paradox concept that I sort of borrowed in the first place. And I'm not sure whether you're all familiar with it. So I, I just want to uh, outline it here um, very quickly. Um, so basically, the, the term was coined by James Holyfield in the early 90s um, to capture the contradictory drivers that liberal democracies are confronted to when they're elaborating their immigration policies. And so in a 2004 article, he sort of sums up his thoughts on this and writes, since the end of World War II, international economic forces have been pushing states towards greater openness, while the international state system and powerful domestic political forces push states towards greater closure. Hence, the liberal paradox, the economic logic of liberalism is one of openness, but the political and legal logic is one of closure. Now, um, so according to him, democracies are sort of subject to these two contradictory logics, right? On the one hand, you have sort of the dominant economic ideology of liberalism that pushes markets to globalize and pushes states to enshrine international human rights into national legislations. And this sort of provides the ground for open immigration reforms. And on the other hand, you have sort of the political logic um, of democratic nation states, um, which is dominated by well, electoral objectives, but also by path-dependent bureaucratic decision-making, which uh, then would drive uh, immigration policies towards closure. And so this dynamic does he, that he outlines has, has two consequences that are important here. The first one is that sort of fundamental policy reforms are much more difficult, of course, to enact than sort of incremental policy changes uh, because of all the constraints that are involved. And secondly, sort of that there is a gap between 
discourses on immigration and the actual policies that are enacted um, because the discourses target mainly the electorate and so are often more restrictive than the policies that are enacted and which have to take into account legal constraints and economic interests, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, in contrast to, to this dynamic that he highlights in democracies, I sort of suggest that autocracies are subject to an illiberal paradox. And um, so what I mean by that, or what I try to argue, is that autocratic regimes are bound by the same international forces of liberalism. So that's the same as before, right? Pushing for openness towards immigration, but that the domestic political logic um, is different, right? And so autocratic leaders are more autonomous from these political logics uh, asking for closure in democracies. And in particular, uh, decision makers, of course, are a bit more independent from the potential anti-immigrant sentiment in the population. And also they are not um, bound by sort of the existing legal frameworks uh, to the same extent as would be the case in consolidated democracies, just because the rule of law uh, functions a bit differently. And this uh, situation then allows autocratic leaders uh, to more easily enact uh, fundamental policy reform uh, and to adapt the immigration policies to uh, their own priorities, right? So um, in particular, this means that autocracies can paradoxically enact liberal immigration policies more, easier, more easily than, um, than democracies if it fits sort of their economic priorities, their foreign policy goals, uh, or, or sort of uh, nation-state uh, formation uh, ideologies. So what I want to make sure here um, is that I'm not trying to say that um, autocracies are enacting uh, more liberal immigration policies than democracies necessarily. We've seen before that that's not the case. Um, but what I try to, to get at with this illiberal paradox is to suggest that autocracies can open their immigration policies more easily than democracies if they wish uh, to do so. But of course, there are also some limitations to the open character um, of these policies uh, in autocracies, right? And I, I want to quickly touch upon them because I think it's important to, to keep them in mind. So the first limitation really is um, that a discursive openness towards immigration in autocracies might not always be followed through in practice, right? So it seems that in autocracies, maybe immigration policy discourse might uh, be often much more uh, liberal, but then uh, in practice, it might still be relatively restrictive. And so that's kind of the exact opposite of what uh, Holyfield suggested uh, for uh, democracies and sort of the dynamics inherent to the liberal paradox. The second uh, limitation really is that, while, as I said, the autonomy of autocracies from legal constraints uh, and democratic requests can favor uh, liberal policies, right? But this autonomy also increases the vulnerability of these same uh, liberal policies. So in particular, of course, uh, you can think about liberal policies that are prone to sudden restrictive backlashes, because of the limited role of judicial actors and also because liberal policies are often not actually enshrined in law, but emerge out of executive decisions. And then the last limitation uh, is that um, 
obviously immigration rights and integration rights don't automatically uh, go hand in hand. So an open entry policy doesn't necessarily imply that these migrants are granted any socioeconomic rights. And so Martin in, uh, Martin Bruce in his 2013 uh, publication has conceptualized this dynamic in the number versus rights trade-off. And so what he's arguing is that countries are basically faced with a choice of either allowing a large number of immigrants and restricting their integration rights or limiting immigrant numbers and sort of granting those migrants full integration rights. And so what this means in, in, in my case specifically is that sort of ironically, it might be easier for many people around the world to migrate to autocracies instead of democracies with the obvious downside, of course, that little actual rights are attached to this migrant status in the first place. But despite these limitations, I do think that the illiberal paradox idea captures an important immigration policy dynamic in autocracies around the world. And so in the paper, what I'm trying to do is to develop a range of, of country cases um, that offer uh, preliminary evidence for this illiberal paradox dynamic. But um, for the sake of briefty, I'm only really going to mention uh, the case that, that I know best, of course, from my own research and that inspired my ideas in the first place, sort of to give you an idea of, of, of how this illiberal paradox feels like in, in practice, right? So um, just quickly on Morocco, um, in September 2013, uh, the Moroccan king, uh, Mohammed VI, quite unexpectedly announced a fundamental change in immigration policy. And this reform actually moved away from the very restrictive approach that had characterized uh, immigration policy before, right? That was sort of, um, um, yeah, characterized by state violence towards irreg irregular migrants, by unlawful expulsions and socioeconomic exclusion. And so the reform uh, of 2013 launched um, a human rights-based policy that uh, included two regularization campaigns uh, of irregular migrants and the rolling out of quite a, an extensive set of uh, integration programs. Now, as I show in another article, um, the main driver of this policy change was actually to consolidate the Moroccan monarchy by polishing its image uh, at home and abroad, uh, both in Africa, where uh, Morocco ha has been really trying to consolidate its its political and economic position, uh, as well as in front of Europe, where, of course, Morocco has interests uh, towards its diaspora uh, and where it wants to be seen as a progressive rights-respective state. Um, and so the Moroccan case really exemplifies how sort of regime survival and geopolitical priorities can take precedent over domestic opinions or domestic political dynamics and lead to uh, quite a fundamental um, liberal policy change on immigration. But of course, there are some caveats to it, right? So uh, this opening towards immigration was first and foremost intended to be a tool of symbolic politics. And so what you see on the ground is that, yes, um, the situation of migrants in Morocco has really improved over the past years through the regularization and, and through sort of access to a minimal set um, of socioeconomic rights. But um, still, the implementation of the reform has been rather inconsistent and many of the promises that have been made have not been um, realized yet. 
And so, uh, and, and at the same time, there is always uh, a risk of a sudden backlash that sort of always lingers a bit in the air. Um, and so I think that the Moroccan case quite forcefully shows um, the potential, but also the limits of such an autocratic opening towards migrants. Uh, now, I'm happy to develop some, some other examples um, afterwards, but um, time is running, so I would like to, to conclude on a few uh, points here um, that sort of come out of the, of the paper. So first of all, um, I think importantly, what the paper shows is that against uh, widespread understandings and expectations of much of the literature, there seems to be no systematic difference um, in immigration policy substance across regime types. So in other words, uh, democracies don't seem to enact overall more or less restrictive immigration uh, policies compared to autocracies. But of course, that doesn't mean that immigration policies are neutral um, to political regimes. So what I try to argue uh, in the second part of the paper is that political regimes do shape immigration policy dynamics, right? Particularly in, in terms of the range of policy options that are available and sort of the intricacies of the policy processes that are behind um, policy decisions. And so I'm introducing this illiberal paradox uh, as sort of a conceptual tool to, to grasp some of the dynamics of immigration policy making uh, in autocracies, in particular, um, the enactment of liberal immigration reforms. Like, how can we explain uh, the enactment of um, liberal immigration reforms by autocratic leaders? Um, and so I'm arguing that, well, um, actually, autocratic regimes have more leeway to, to enact such liberal reforms um, if it suits the priorities of the regime in place, because they are more autonomous from electoral and bureaucratic dynamics that drive uh, sort of restrictions in liberal democracies. And sorry, I forgot this uh, point. Um, and so there are a number of avenues for future research um, that I would like to explore and ideas of where to take this paper further. And one of them uh, is to sort of start and breaking open these notions of democracy and autocracy in the first place. And although I am using uh, them in the paper, I actually find that these binary regime typologies are ultimately of limited analytical value to really get at immigration policy dynamics. So one way forward would be to sort of move towards a more practice-centered approach to political regimes that would allow to identify, for instance, um, autocratic practices within formal democracies and democratic practices within formal autocracies. Um, and so ultimately, that's where my thinking is going. Um, it might be that the illiberal paradox dynamic is actually not restricted to autocracies, but that it is in fact autocratic policy practices that would allow to enact liberal immigration policy more easily, whether it's in a democracy or in an autocracy. Uh, yes, but this is really just an idea that, that is still not very ripe and that remains to be explored. So, um, yeah, for now, I'm thanking you for your attention and I look forward to your thoughts and comments and questions. Um, yeah, thank you.